Welcome to the Recappery, the History Chicks Media Recap Emporium. Today, we continue our coverage of Netflix's series, The Crown, covering the life of Queen Elizabeth II. This is Season 2, Episode 8, Dear Mrs. Kennedy. Here's a Netflix synopsis. Inspired by Jackie Kennedy and against her government's wishes, Elizabeth takes an unconventional approach to resolving an issue in Ghana. My synopsis is... An episode of personal growth for Queen Elizabeth has to be tainted by classic TV lady rivalry for some reason. <laughs> okay, I have like three. I'm eliminating one of mine because it's got a lot of words. Here's, here's my top one. Royal and regal girl power. No? <laughs> okay, the other one, I have to sing it. Who run the world, girl? Okay. <laughs> I'm actually doing the Beyonce dancing in my little closet right now (laughs) so you have a much more optimistic view of the portrayals of these women than i do perhaps we shall explore that perhaps i don't know we'll see i have oh well uh, we'll get to it later but i have a problem when i like watch the fiction and then know the fact I think we have that problem. Um, For those of you who don't know, Susan and I have another podcast, our actual first podcast called The History Chicks, and we are right in the middle of covering the life of Jackie Kennedy. So you will hear some allusions to that throughout the show. Mm -hmm. This episode begins with a frontal of squawking gray crowned cranes in a stone hallway. Those birds, I have to say any bird that walks around and is big, freak me out. Okay, I was once at a stop sign in Rhode Island and a wild turkey just came over and pecked my car window and I thought I would have a freaking heart attack. (laughs) So that job uh, that I see advertised on social media now for the flamingo handler, not your thing. (laughs) Uh, No, if you want to punish me for something. (laughs) That's like your version of hell then, I guess. Well, so four guys, there's two in fezes that are sort of standing guard, and the other two, non-fezed, grab hold of Elizabeth's portrait. And it's the same one that we saw go down during the Suez crisis in Egypt. Though I have to say that coming down of the portrait was more like removing an occupying forces flag, sort of, because (laughs) they were a sovereign country then. And here's Queen Elizabeth's portrait in a corporate establishment. This is definitely a political maneuver. And I don't know what the deal is with this. So someone else is leaving the Commonwealth. And at this point, we don't know who it is. Anything that's in this particular building was filmed in England, which shocked me. It's called Elvedon Hall. And it's now owned by Arthur Guinness, the fourth Earl of Iveg. Wow, I'm like picking these words I can't even pronounce. It's the largest working farm in Britain. But it looks like that. It's very exotic looking. Well, what's the name of that that store that used to be in all the malls that went defunct? Bombay Company? Oh, yeah, yeah. Their whole shtick was colonial. One colony of Britain looks like any other. And I imagine that is a decorating style even now. Mm-hmm. So, Well, it was built by the last Maharaja of the Sikh Empire who was exiled. And so he went to England and built it. So that's where it gets all those cool touches. We see a card. It says, Accra, Ghana. There's a man at a podium giving a speech to a very large room full of delegates, and he's talking about Africa breaking free from the imperial past and forging new alliances. 
We are here, he says, not as Ghanaians, Guineans, Moroccans, Algerians, Senegalese, or Malians, but as Africans. This is when the picture of Queen Elizabeth comes down in the hallway. We see it going. He says, we're tired of being disrespected and abused by the corrupt and imperial forces of the past. And I don't blame them, honestly. The world was never anything but exploitative to nearly all of Africa right? The time has come, he says, to forge new alliances with those who understand the strategic importance of Africa. Well, everyone does, Mr. Speaker. (laughs) Why else does Africa even find itself in all these pickles in the first place? And are willing to treat us as equals, not as subordinates or as slaves. So bye-bye then, Europe and America is what he's saying, I think. So we cut to the four guys putting up a new picture. It's Lenin. So not a current ruler of a country, but a representative of a philosophy, shall we say, the leader of communist Russia right after the overthrow of the monarchy, which we covered that particular scenario in episodes 32 and 33 when we covered the Romanovs on the History Chicks. But this guy, Lenin, is a socialist icon who had died decades ago. This is our time, says the man at the podium. We must choose our own destiny. I am noticing, and I think you probably do too, that more than half of these delegates still had some form of national dress. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, as I recall, this wasn't unique to Africa. Even in my childhood in the 1970s, there seemed to be more non-ironic, non-Oktoberfest wearing of lederhosen, for example. Oh, <laughs> I'm just saying it wasn't just Africa. I think it was, um, you know, the past. But now, if you look at pictures of the United Nations, it's mostly just variations on a business suit, mm-hmm. which we're all a little poorer for it. Occasionally, you'll see some African fabrics in a tie or a headdress, but for the most part, it's pretty vanilla. Mm-hmm. Well, in this particular episode, he goes back and forth too. Right, Nkrumah, the guy that's speaking right now. I, right. Although I guess we don't know who he is yet, so I'll just keep that to myself. <laughs> Well, the Ghanaian footmen bring horizontal portrait Elizabeth into a storage room full of ladders and junk and goats. (laughs) A socialist Africa, he says from the podium, for Africans. And some delegates leap up and cheer. And I tried to catch a hold of who it was. Libya, I think. Um, Hooray! But others, like Morocco and Tunisia... These people are right at the north of Africa. They're not too sure. They're looking at each other like, "Mm." I mean, Morocco had just got out from under the French. They still to this day have a king, by the way, um, a constitutional monarchy like England. And obviously their goals are going to be different. I like that sort of historical accuracy that the Moroccan guys like. "Mm." And Tunisia is considered the only full democracy in the African continent. No one's perfect. I will tell you, Tunisia has had a. A time of it. Their history is not, you know, linear. But I just wanted to mention that someone over there directing the extras has a good eye for detail. Yeah, I was imagining them going, okay, Libya, you stand and you sit, you know, just telling everybody what they're supposed to be doing. But their faces, even before that, were kind of like, where is he going with this? You know, nobody was like big smiles on their face at first. They're like, oh, wow, where is he going? So I thought that that he could motivate them to do something by that point was pretty remarkable. So that whole voiceover ends with this older woman covering that portrait of Elizabeth in the dirty barn up with a tarp, which was very thoughtful of her. 
Can't get it dirty. Well, okay. So why are you saving it? Yes, it's a nice frame, sure. But maybe you'll need to hang it back up again, right? Just in case, maybe we should hang on to this tactic. Mm -hmm. More on that later, I think. But (laughs) why not just throw it away? Well, mm, I don't know that they're going to throw England away. Yeah, if they wanted to be really dramatic, they'd like burn it, right? Yes, or they would burn that bridge, but they mm-hmm. have chosen to remain cautious in that way. And so Queen Elizabeth lives with the goats. <laughs> now, I would actually like to issue a challenge to Susan, to everyone. And I would be willing to bet that most of us learned very, very little about Africa in school, with the possible exception of, it seems like, Egypt. We're all about Egypt. And if you were alive during the end of apartheid, maybe South Africa. So that might be the end of your African knowledge. And um, for American children, also maybe that vague place the enslaved people had been stolen from. Like nothing more about it, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I remember being, um, I want to say probably junior high before I realized that Egypt, who we'd heard a lot about, was part of Africa. You know what I mean? Like I didn't realize it was all together. Right. I thought it was someplace different, entirely different. And nope, it's right there. And so um, where is Ghana? I'm not very pleased to have to tell you. I had to look it up. So if Africa is vaguely shaped like a skull, Ghana, if you put your hand at the back of your neck where it might, you know, your skull attaches to your neck, that's where Ghana is on the map right there. I went online, shamed by my lack of knowledge, and, <laughs> and I found a, a great puzzle where you try to ID countries in Africa on a map. Like it tells you a country and you have to click on the country that you think it is. And I did not do so well on my first attempt. And I will, I will post my first attempt, by the way. And I kept at it. I kept at it. And finally, every name went in with the exception of Tanzania, which would never go into my head no matter how many times I tried it if it came in the middle and wasn't the last thing I guessed. So a little tip, Tanzania looks like Wisconsin. (laughs) It's a cheat I'm going to give from me to you. (laughs) It just wouldn't go in. But I will post a picture of my first attempt and my final attempts on the show notes. And it's sort of the least I can do for the world, really, to know where everything is. So go take it. If you want to. I will. We have, you have a link to that. I'll put them in the show notes, right? Yes. yes. And also, you'll have to do a little searching, but Asia, while you're there, Europe, which is way harder than you think it would be. Uh-huh. I well, mean, for as- us, I, I'm sure Europeans can nail it. Well, I don't know, because it has actually changed so much since I learned it. Um, with the breakup of Yugoslavia um, and Czechoslovakia, there's a whole bunch of countries right over there in Russia. We didn't used to have to know where Belarus was. Right. You know, that kind of thing. So there's a lot more countries than there were when I was growing up. Um, and also, find Liechtenstein, really. <laughs> it was an eye-opening experience, and I highly recommend it. So anyway, anyway, after the challenge, to the sound of drums... We cut back to Elizabeth. Elizabeth is mucking it up with a groundskeeper outside in the fields on a very rainy day. And she's startled that she's starting to feel old and not very good about how she looks. She is with a groundskeeper and he's letting her know about some trees that have to come down. So there's also one off screen oak tree that they are both very reluctant to cut down. And Elizabeth says she looks so old, ancient directly on the nose of the theme of the whole episode the groundskeeper says she will have to be felled in due course (laughs) people and things reach sell-by dates inevitably says me to the audience i love that she anthropomorphized the tree 
Can you do that with a tree or is that just animals now that oh. I say it out loud? No, I would say a tree too. A tree is a she. I kind of like that. And I also like that she was at the grandson of an outdoor servant's christening. I find that very delightful. Mm -hmm. But it also aged her. Like it put her at a certain age. It was going with that aging theme because the grandson is a grown man. And the groundskeeper says, you know, have you, do you remember my grandson? And she's like, yes, of course I was at his christening, which means that she remembers it. So she's considerably older than the grandson. Well, he's probably 17 or 18. It's not like he's like 32. Oh, I thought he was, I, I pictured him in his 20s is what I got. But it could have just been because it was, you know, the clothing. You know, you see like old clothing, so you think it's an old guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also, again, think that Elizabeth would rather be in the pouring rain in a broken car than at any kind of state dinner. And I was like, man, if only Margaret had been the oldest. I don't know if we'd still have a monarchy, actually. <laughs> but um, Queen Elizabeth would be a contented woman. In the country there. Yeah. Kind of like uh, Beatrix Potter, you know? Yeah. She just wanted to be out in the country. That's all she wanted. So we see in the back of the broken car, two corgis and a dorgy. Actually, oh, I was going to go, there's three, but no, look at you with the dorgies. Yes. Queen Elizabeth, the first person to breed dorgies. <laughs> yeah. Um, Princess Margaret had a thing for dachshunds, which I can respect, but do not get. Um, And there was some kind of involvement between the corgis and the dachshunds. And you'll notice one of the corgis is not as tall as his brethren. (laughs) So um, how did she pull a muscle taking her boot off? I don't know. That's what I was like. What is this whole thing? I don't even understand why she was taking her boots off to get into the Land Rover, which is kind of an outdoor car anyway. Why was she taking them off? Well, that's what happens when you have other people to wash your socks. I guess. Maybe the <laughs> boots stay out there. I just thought it was weird because I've never taken my boots off to get into a dirty car. <laughs> well, and unless she stepped in poop or something. Oh, yeah, that's true. But then Daniel like gets down on his knee and like pulls the boot off for her. So yay, Daniel. <laughs> He'll make a fine husband someday. Well, He will. He'll take off your poopy boots. <laughs> <laughs> so when she catches sight of her reflection, uh, you know, the car's broken. They have to go get the um, jumper cables, the jump leads, as they say. But when she catches sight of her reflection, she is very sad. But I don't think she looks that bad at all. I mean, maybe until that moment she looks down, I guess. You're in the pouring rain wilderness with no lipstick on. It's okay not to be a glamazon. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it was really like a raw day. You could feel it, you know, just cold and raw and miserable. So she, yeah, she was not looking her prettiest, but then she's also hurting in places that she hadn't hurt before. You know how that makes you feel old, you know, cause she just hurt herself taking off her boots. <laughs> Who does that? Old people, right? <laughs> she's, she's 35 here. We have to realize that <laughs> 35 is not old. We are back inside, and the Queen Mom and Elizabeth watch the U.S. President and Mrs. Kennedy visit France, and Elizabeth shares her plans and compares herself to the First Lady. When is it, do you think, says Elizabeth, if one is committed to a life of honesty, that one must start calling oneself (laughs) middle-aged? And her mother's like, you haven't even finished having children yet. She says, let the first one go to school, and then let's talk about being middle-aged. So we will learn more about Charles and his schooling next episode, but (laughs) he's 12 or 13 this year. So I'm not entirely sure how long the queen mom is giving her. Even if she's talking about boarding school or his prep school, that still only gives you two and three years to be not middle-aged. So it's not that much of a reprieve. (laughs) 
No, not at all. Well, anyway, that aside, I think it is so adorable how the ladies are eating macaroni and cheese on TV trays with a footman standing by. (laughs) Um, Can I just go back for one second? The life expectancy for white women born in 1930, which is a little bit after Elizabeth was born, was 63. So 35 is actually, she wasn't that far off for middle age technical middle age goes. But little did you guys know, I mean, the queen mom, although she doesn't know it yet, is going to live to be, it's either 101 or 102. Mm-hmm. Um, Making middle age 50. I don't know. I always thought in my mind for some reason that one to 30, or I guess it would be zero to 30, is young. 30 to 60 is middle. 60 to 90 is later, mathematically speaking. That sounds about right. Back to the macaroni and cheese. Did this make you want some? I actually had macaroni and cheese for breakfast this morning. Did you? We had it for supper last night. <laughs> I did. Well, it wasn't, um, it was neither the casserole type, the real old British type, mm-hmm. um, and nor was it the craft macaroni and cheese type. It was wedding leftovers from Chris's event. So it has a lot of nutmeg in it, which I know he's not going to listen to this, but I don't like the nutmeg in there. Oh, I wouldn't either. My mom puts nutmeg in her white... What is that, bechamel sauce? Yeah, I don't, um, I mean, you know, I ate it, don't get me wrong, but um, <laughs> I don't, I would prefer no nutmeg. It seems like a weird element. Yeah, it, it does strike me as odd, too. My macaroni and cheese last night was from the blue box. <laughs> oh, the classic. They're watching President Kennedy and Jackie Kennedy's visit to Paris to meet with the French President Charles de Gaulle. And there's a little static and there's a little panic. And the Queen Mom does what we all do to broken machines. She gets up and thumps it. (laughs) (laughs) And Elizabeth is screaming, no, stop it. It's rented, which stopped me immediately. I'm like, the Queen rents her television sets? Well, lots of people rented TVs rather than buy them, mostly, and here's why, for repair and maintenance purposes. If it broke, they'd send a guy or they would just trade you out. The end. You Mm -hmm. know, there were parts in these old TVs that were expected to fail every three months. Mm -hmm. I mean, the tubes might last a year. It was just hassle. It was too much irritation if machines are not your thing. And there's no YouTube to tell you how to fix it. So most people uh, in England, anyway, I'm not 100% sure about America, but most people in England did rent their TVs just to avoid the stress of having to deal with repair. So is Elizabeth being fiscally smart? Well, she's respecting someone else's property, I think. So no, it's, it's, I mean, just in renting it in the first place. Well, either you rent the TV or you hire a guy to sit in an office downstairs when inevitably your TV breaks. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what's the easier thing to do? You, All right, you got a guy for the clocks. Can't you get a guy for the TVs too? <laughs> Maybe this footman becomes the TV guy. Maybe, because he does, like young people with technology, he's able to fix it. His touch is better than the queen's. Or the queen I, mom, actually. I um was just thinking that... I mean, I hope the Queen Mom enjoyed cable when it came out. She loves TV so much. And I'm very sorry to say she missed Netflix streaming by a few, like five years. She died before Netflix streaming. And of all the people on the planet that would have loved binge watching, oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. I taught my mom how to do it. I was visiting her for a couple weeks and we hooked her up with a... Uh, Apple TV. She was she was binging Grace and Frankie because she's like sitting there watching and she's like, how long are these? I'm like, a ah, half hour. She's like, OK, then I'll watch another one. And then that finished. Maybe just one more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was applauding her. I'm like, welcome to the new age. Next, you get a smartphone. She, <laughs> oh, said, <no>. she said no. 
Um, do all British people eat with the fork upside down? Hermione does it too. I think yes. I do use my fork in my left hand, which I guess is classically British, but I long ago decided to eat with my left hand because I read somewhere that it'll increase your number of neural pathways to do things with the wrong hand. So I always wash my hair with my left hand. I always eat with my left hand. I mean, this is like a 30-year thing. This has been a long mm-hmm. time. But I don't have the fork tines down. Mm-mm. I'm interested no. to know, British people, do you routinely eat with the tines down? I think you do. But um, I guess they're at Sandringham. I'm I'm trying to figure out where they are because Queen Elizabeth says she has to, quote, go back to Buckingham Palace because they're having an informal dinner with the Kennedys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I knew they were out in the country. I mean, she was in the woods. But this is June, so she wouldn't be at Balmoral. And then Mm -hmm. her her mother wouldn't be there. I don't know. Maybe they could be at Windsor, too. That's She used to go there on the weekends all the time. Well, anyway, she's so young, says the Queen Mom. I always thought she was the same age as you. Like, she is. There's a knife to the heart. (laughs) Although, technically, Jackie's, what, three years younger? Yeah, well... (laughs) But essentially, yes, the same age. And it's so cute how Queen Elizabeth is so anxious when the TV breaks the second time. She gets up and she goes and stands, like hovers in the middle of the room, standing, <laughs> looking at it until he fixes it. She really wants to see the Kennedys, too. Probably the footman does, too. He can't watch. Like everyone else is huddled around their little TV sets and he's got to be in the public eye. Well, everyone was talking about the charm and elegance of Mr. Kennedy's wife, Jackie, who often, says the newscaster, stole the picture. So Jackie is saying little nothings into the crowd and friends, you know, pretty flowers, charming men, blah, blah, blah. People are just eating it up. Oh, yay, Jackie Kennedy. But Queen Elizabeth is being eaten up with jealousy. Ooh. After the opening sequence, Leonid Brezhnev arrives in Ghana and is warmly greeted by Kwame Nkrumah. They have got at least six microphones trained on the record player, which is playing the Soviet national anthem, which fell out of favor in the 90s, by the way, with the dissolution of the Soviet Union. But you should know Vladimir Putin put it back in place in the year 2000. But anyway, the Ghanaians get some good sound quality out of this setup. You remember earlier in... I think even episode one, how there was a band that kind of tried to play a song and it wasn't that awesome. Hmm. At the beginning, she steps off the plane in Kenya. (gasps) Yes, the Fez band. And I always um, associate that with that scene in The Music Man where all the little kids try to play their instruments and it's like, (laughs) oh no. So anyway, I guess they have transcended by simply using a recording. However, if you notice in the courtyard, there is a band standing there not playing. (laughs) We do hover on that picture of Lennon. Should we not be an audience clear enough Hey, kids, the Russians are coming. But I want to say, Nkrumba is wearing a suit here. You know, we were talking about that earlier, how he's, you know, the traditional dress versus the suits of now. He's wearing a suit to meet Brezhnev, which I think you have to notice because later it happens again. We leave Ghana and go back to London. And you can tell because it goes from yellowish and sunny to dark and gray. Macmillan is meeting with the Queen to discuss Ghana's distancing themselves from the Commonwealth and cozying up with the Russians. I always like, by the way, how every time a car comes through the Buckingham Palace gate, there's always a pedestrian whose face goes like, dang. (laughs) You should watch it. It's just so funny. So uh, Ghana, says McMillan, might be running from the Commonwealth. They 
were independent as of a few years ago. They used to be called the Gold Coast. And Nkrumah, he went to college in Pennsylvania. Is that mm-hmm. something else? Mm-hmm. Well, he was elected the first president in their very first election in 1960 with 89% of the popular vote. So um, he is a representative of his people and their new endeavor in the world. Yes, he might be running from the Commonwealth or he might not. I'm not even sure he knows at this point. He is basically just trying to get his country hooked up with the modern world. Mm-hmm. Now, Macmillan is warning that he's turning toward Russia. Um, because Russia might be helping with what Macmillan called President Nkrumah's, quote, precious damn project. And I think that is very dismissive, patting on the head. But you know what? In Nkrumah's eyes, this dam and the electricity, because it's going to produce hydroelectric power, Mm -hmm. it's the way his country can become self-sufficient. So he's damned. (laughs) If he does. And he's damned if he doesn't. (laughs) I have really saved that up just to say this. I don't even have to bleep that one. But um, (laughs) They even have a different name for this dam. Elizabeth and everyone else calls it the Volta Dam. But in Ghana, it's the Akosombo Project. So. Mm It was a huge deal. I mean, not only would they be able to power their own country, but they could sell excess power to other countries nearby. This is a not just like a little teeny tiny pet project. This is a big and it deal. It's a way to get some factory investment there because they have, um, I want to say, bauxite deposits, and there was an aluminum factory there or aluminium, if you're British. Anyway, so if people are going to try to jerk him around, he is going to go find someone else, and I don't blame him at all. None of this waiting around, wringing his hands. He is walking the talk from before when he was giving a speech. This is our time. We have to make our own future. Well, Queen Elizabeth said to Macmillan, well, we should talk to the Americans about improving their offer, and she's very relieved when Macmillan's on it. Like, well, one less thing to think about. Of course, she also has to ask who Brezhnev is. But does she or does she have to ask for us, the audience? Oh, yeah. I Okay, I see what you're saying. But why would they make her look stupid like that? Just so that we could learn something? Well, who else is in the room? I don't know. Well, they could have had Macmillan say it, right? Um, He's the chairman of the presentium, which is the executive branch of communist countries. You know, he could say something. I don't know. I don't know. I think we're overanalyzing that. I think (laughs) she said it as a way to tell us who he was. That's all. All right. You're always so kind with that. And I want to like jump on it. (laughs) Well, the talk turns to Mr. and then Mrs. Kennedy, who evidently turned the whole visit to France into a triumph, dazzled Le Tout Paris by speaking French. And of course, she's like, we can all do that. (laughs) But it's unexpected for an American. Yes. And she spoke several languages, Spanish, Italian, French. Jackie was very accomplished in languages. Jackie also had charmed Khrushchev during their meeting in Vienna so much that he later sent her a puppy from their space program. So it's not just the French. And Elizabeth says, well, she's pretty and they're French, which I think is insulting to both sides. Also, not really backing a fellow woman. Not at all. But you could tell she's like starting to get riled up because she just dies for that bell. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Well, Macmillan sort of twists the knife again. She debated with philosophers and intellectuals. She went to college. Elizabeth has been very sensitive about her education. We covered that in season one, how she was kind of taken aback that she hadn't gotten the same education as men had, as the boys had. And she felt inadequate speaking to the people she had to speak to because she lacked a classical education. Okay, pretty is pretty. 
but like now he's hitting her below the belt, kind of. Although he doesn't mean to. But Queen Elizabeth says, the most glamorous and intelligent woman on earth. And I think Macmillan sees her unease a little, but I do think there's a thought that the monarchy is just a separate thing. She's a woman, but you're a queen. Long run, this isn't even an even playing field. You win. The monarchy will endure. I don't think anyone's taking it as seriously as she is. No. Poor, poor Queen Elizabeth. She's really getting insecure. Yeah. Well, I think that in the storyline, this visit comes at a time when she's feeling not so great about herself anyway. And to have this, you know, glamorous woman who's getting all this attention, anything she does is gold. She's feeling bad about herself. So any comparison to anybody else is going to make her feel worse. And that's what she's projecting. Elizabeth has a private fashion show and she's looking for a gown that projects a certain image. And she might not get that. <laughs> so we are at Salon Hartnell. Uh, he is the designer that had made her wedding gown and her coronation gown. His sentence cracks me up. When one is choosing a gown, one should ask oneself what precisely one wants to feel when wearing it. I'm going to say one now. <laughs> when one eats one's macaroni and cheese. Why Does do one you... put the tines down or up? <laughs> Uh, but she answers him in kind, one doesn't want to feel second best. Especially, he says, when one is the senior of the two. That knife, re, re, re. By rank, he says, quick save, quick save. He has the same thought that I had a second ago. Okay, the monarchy will win. You are a queen. France is a republic. France doesn't have a queen. So if you've got it, flaunt it, I say. A woman in a blue dress comes to the front. Why do all these models get called in if that was his big reveal was the blue dress? Yeah, I don't know. To make it contrast, I mean... There's some pretty hideous gowns up on that walkway. <laughs> but I actually think the blue one is very pretty. I really like it. Yeah, I thought it was pretty too. Although uh, this always strikes me when you she looks at the uh, sketch of it and then she's looking at the dress itself and they never look the same to me. I don't know. I, maybe my brain just can't register one art form with another. That thing he said, um, if you've got it, flaunt it. Mm -hmm. He might have said it, but it was either first said in public by Mel Brooks and the producers or an ad guy who wrote it for Braniff Airlines, both in 1968. <laughs> so it's an anachronism. Maybe. It might not be period appropriate. Well, maybe. Or maybe Hartnell really was a trendsetter. Huh. Well, there you go. <laughs> Back at the palace, Philip and Elizabeth get ready for the Kennedy dinner, but neither Philip's plans nor Elizabeth's dress are working out for her. The valet is holding a basin of water for his boss to spit in after brushing his teeth in 1961. Also, you know people in movies always walk around brushing their teeth randomly in rooms of the house. Have you noticed that? I hate that. What are they going to do? Swallow the toothpaste? I can't even remember one. Singles. My house every day. <laughs> you just walk around brushing your teeth in the... I stand over the sink because, you know, I want to get it over with. But my boys, yeah, I think they picked it up from my husband. He just brushes his teeth and walks around on that floor. You know, there's a couple bathrooms, so he spits in whichever one. There's three sinks up here. That is just so strange to me, but I guess maybe it's just to me. Well, I am going to say that valet is lucky there are flush toilets in 1961. That's all I'm saying about that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my microphone just backed up against my wires. That's funny. Yeah, that's funny. Now, 
Would Hartnell really have sent over a dress that didn't fit? The only thing I'm thinking of is that I'm sure he has her measurements on file. I'm sure. But maybe she gained weight with Andrew and was too embarrassed to say? According to this, I guess it seems like a very um, quick decision. And maybe he just sent over the sample. But I just really don't know why that dress wouldn't fit. Ah, three words. Macaroni and cheese. But she didn't eat hers. Well, maybe she ate it later for breakfast. I don't know. <laughs> She's just sitting out in the country. She said she was having a heavenly weekend. She was just like eating carbs the whole time and mucking it out in the fields. I don't know. <laughs> you know, sometimes your weight is a little up and sometimes it's a little down. And this was, you know, she was puffy. <laughs> I just think that was super unprofessional of him to send a dress that didn't fit. But um, McDonald can hardly get her into the dress. And so she is already feeling low about her appearance and now she's not fitting into her outfit and there's a stressful guest coming but once it's up though you know that zipper let's hope it holds girl you should have let mcdonald let it out a little just a little bit or at least take a stitch in the zipper so that in case it popped it wouldn't be embarrassing you know and that dress when they showed it on the runway it was strapless and when she was wearing it it had straps oh really Maybe she's at an age at 35. You don't wear strapless gowns anymore. Or she needed to dowdy it up a little bit. Well, you can't wear a bra with a strapless gown, can you? I don't think she needed to wear a bra. That bodice of that dress was pretty darn tight. Oh, well, <laughs> she needed a bra for just it's stuck there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, Philip keeps nattering on. He's trying to get dressed too, but he keeps at her. Blah blah blah. How come Uncle Dickie gets to sit by Mrs. Kennedy? Evidently, there's been some kind of active month-long campaign. Even Philip's sister Theodore's husband wants in on this action. <laughs> um, he was so mission-driven. It was crazy. Incidentally, not included in the invitation to this quote informal dinner, Princess Margaret. Even though Jackie Kennedy had specially requested her. Probably because Jackie Kennedy had specially requested her. That's actually real. There was mm -hmm. no Princess Margaret at this dinner. Um, Jackie's sister Lee and her husband had been invited, although I guess there was a lot of brouhaha since both of them had been divorced. And it was thought they wouldn't be invited to the palace because that's kind of a deal breaker. And so strings were pulled and hey, presto. So there was this sort of passive, aggressive, and awkward off-screen scenario, real life, going into this dinner with some weird feelings about each other, you know? Mm -hmm. There was yeah, two people that Jackie wanted at the dinner and neither one of them were invited because her yeah. sister was allowed to come with her husband. He was a Polish prince. They lived in London. The Kennedys were staying with them, but you weren't going to invite them to the dinner? I don't know. It just seems a little rude. I keep thinking that there is a form of etiquette that if you invite someone's guests, you have to at least make the gesture to invite the hosts also. That's what I'm saying. I agree. We get some exposition here. It's not a state dinner. It's a dinner party because the French are going to get upset if we get too close to the Americans. It's just old school politics, you know. So anyway, Philip wins the toss on sitting next to Mrs. Kennedy. Whatever. But his crush <laughs> is sort of gross. <laughs> I mean, he just kept pressing it and pressing it. I'm going to sit next to Jackie Kennedy. It's the last thing I do. Well, all the footmen are gathering to look out the window as the Kennedys pull up. And I think that that last one, you know, the one that lingers, the one we see, the hero shot, is the same guy who fixed the TV earlier and is just never going to get a sight of Jackie Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> he was behind the TV and now he can't even look out the window. 
almost everyone is tripping over themselves to get the first peek at the glamorous Mrs. Kennedy. All dignity has gone out the window. Everyone is goggling down at the Kennedys from an upstairs balcony. She is a TV star. It's mass hysteria. Um, not for the first time, by the way. I heart Porchy so much. <laughs> he is literally the only person on earth who can see how insecure Queen Elizabeth is, and he doesn't run off on her like everyone else. What if we had had Prince Porchy? Although he couldn't be a prince, could he? Because he's not a prince. He, I guess, would have been elevated to Duke something, but he doesn't leave her side until Philip gets back. He is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody had asked us on our Facebook group how we felt about Porchy, and I'm a, I'm pro Porchy. I'm a big fan. I think he's a really good friend. She's lucky to have him. He's not the only one in this episode, by the way, either. Um, and so I thought it was really good that they made a point of highlighting the fact that she has people in her corner. So Jackie and Jack are coming in, and they see and they hear all the excitement. They're pretending they don't see everyone leaning over the fence upstairs but maybe by now they're used to it i guess i don't know um philip is like come on it's like royalty elizabeth does not think that is a funny joke everybody else did elizabeth we were all laughing (laughs) you know what uh i was noticing she doesn't even look that upset you know okay i get it the magnetism it's all almost like a celebrity crush like if your husband really really likes a star stage and screen and you're in the restaurant with this person you well at least i wouldn't get jealous or offended it's just like a weird celebrity crush it's not even a real thing she doesn't even seem that mad she kind of just rolls her eyes like you're a dumb alec (laughs) well she just listened to the whole drama upstairs of him jockeying for position to sit next to her at dinner so this is just one more he's just all gaga over her it's crazy well i think she feels inadequate to jackie kennedy but i don't think she feels like she's going to lose philip to jackie kennedy i mean you know what i mean i think there's like a realism there no the Queen and Philip meet the Kennedys, and a Dean and Martin Chartres cringe through a play-by-play of social gaffes. So they're kind of standing by the side commentating, and they remind me of the judges on The Muppet Show. Uh-huh. So if you're too young to remember the judges on The Muppet Show that sat on a balcony and commentated everything, I am going to post a picture because they look just like this to me. So something happens, and they talk to each other about it so president first president first whoops mrs kennedy went up first no curtsy no curtsy you know what americans actually don't have to curtsy to the queen um michelle obama wasn't expected to curtsy laura bush didn't curtsy nancy reagan didn't curtsy um your grace says jackie kennedy your royal highness (laughs) say them up at judges your royal majesty says mr kennedy it's supposed to be your majesty jack says your grace too and they're just like ah didn't they get the memo? <laughs> Martin was supposed to make sure they got the protocol sheet. They did. They just didn't read it, obviously. They are getting so worked up about this. I thought this was one of the funniest things on this show I've ever seen. <laughs> Luckily, Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip are too well-bred to correct them, at least in place. <laughs> but Queen Elizabeth and Macmillan do have faces on, <laughs> I will say. Okie dokie. And Jackie's also not supposed to go first um, into the room, but Queen Elizabeth quickly acts to cover it up and kind of legitimize it by starting to introduce her to people. And I'm always taken by an example that I read, maybe in Emily Post, where a guest not understanding about finger bowls drank out of the finger bowl. And so the hostess did too. Mm-hmm. Quickly. Yeah, that sounds like a very Emily Post thing. Yeah. So um, so Elizabeth covered up that gaffe, but Jack obviously knows that he <laughs> did not exactly pull that off smoothly. 
No. He and uh, Philip, after the women leave, Jack says to Philip, that went wrong in about 10,000 ways. And Philip's like, I've seen worse. I'm just not sure when. <laughs> I wrote, heh heh, we're just dudes. <laughs> I wrote bro talk. <laughs> bro talk and then drink. Meanwhile, Martin and Adine needed the drink because they're still recuperating from the, let's see, Martin said, sorry, sir. And Adine said, bloody shambles. <laughs> <laughs> well, if your whole job is to get the protocol right and then these bumbling doofuses come in and just trample like elephants all over everything, you look <sighs> bad, you know. In reality, the Kennedys and Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip met in a private room and then they went out and greeted all the guests who were lined up in like a semicircle. So it was a little bit different than real life. But, you know, I think maybe the hysteria was probably pretty spot on. <laughs> But Americans have a history of botched British protocol. President W. Bush winked at her. Michelle Obama put her arm around the queen's waist. That was nice. It's one thing to have a duke or an earl or something violate protocol because they should know better. So they're mm -hmm. obviously doing it on purpose. But if people aren't from your country, would you know exactly the degree of bow you should give to people when you're in Japan? No. No. So if you mess it up, I think you're giving a little bit more of a pass. I think so, too. I love that they have this tradition of giving them gifts. In real life, Jack Kennedy gave her a silver framed autographed photo of himself. So I love the idea. But is that a cool gift to give someone a picture of yourself? <laughs> I mean, he had been president for not even a year yet. I did like um, W. Bush gave her a small cowgirl statue. <laughs> it's like the one there's one outside the National Cowgirl Museum. She's probably got silver frames coming out the wazoo, but I'm not sure she has cowgirl statues. So that was way more thoughtful. <laughs> At the informal dinner, Philip has scored the best seat in the house and Macmillan gives Elizabeth an update on the Kennedy's European tour. So again, with Porchy, I love him so much. He gets it. He loves her. And I'm glad he's there. Also, Elizabeth is insecure about her dress, which is 10 times better than Jackie Kennedy's dress. And I wonder why the customers went with strapless for Jackie's dress. That's not even the right dress and absolutely not the right hair. We have photos of this. Mm -hmm. like, while we're at it, not the right Jackie, as far as I'm concerned. You know, President Kennedy's okay, I guess. <gasps> oh, I'm so going to argue you on that point. No. I mean, he was a great Dexter. Don't get me wrong. Oh, see, I've never seen Dexter. See, I don't have any baggage coming to it. I, I mean, when I said he was okay, I'm like, I'm not going to fight you because I don't have a better choice. Uh -huh. <laughs> as to Jackie, okay, so there's an actress that had played her very briefly in a movie called The Butler, um, an actress named Minka Kelly. If you've seen Parenthood, she's Max's behavioral therapist in Parenthood. Anyway, um, I think she would be a better Jackie. Well, I don't like that Jackie's across the table saying, sensuality, we won't go there. <laughs> would Jackie really talk like that at an official dinner? Yeah, no, I don't think she wouldn't. Philip and Jackie are like sitting on each other's laps almost. They're so close. Conspiratorially giggling and flirting. Yeah, I don't think she would be like that at all. Elizabeth takes over hosting Mrs. Kennedy duties from Philip, and the two women go on a palace tour. <laughs> so she's drawing the line at palace tours. You know what? Celebrity crush, talking about sensuality at dinner, that's fine. But no alone time, Chachi. 
It's my <laughs> house. I'm going to do it. So Jack says, I hope my wife isn't causing too much trouble. His accent, like, yikes, yikes. Call Mark Wahlberg and get him <laughs> to read you through the lines. Because holy crap, no. Anyway, he, um, Philip says to him, you do know you're the luckiest man on earth. And as we discussed in the Jackie Kennedy podcast, no, in fact, he absolutely does not know he's the luckiest man on earth. We can see that with that giant pause, I guess, before Jack says, yes, which reminds me of the Duchess of Devonshire. Everyone on earth loved her, but her own husband, kind of. Mm-hmm. Philip says, people keep telling me the same thing. Is he realizing Is he realizing that people keep telling him the same thing and maybe he isn't seeing it either? (laughs) I don't know. I think Philip wants JFK's approval, too. I mean, I think he's liking this little bonding thing they have going on, maybe because they do see each other and the other one. You know, they're very similar. Yeah. In some ways. Yeah. Well, the Muppet judges are freaking out. Where are they going? No idea. See, footmen, you get to see Jackie after all, because they go in places where they weren't supposed to go. And there are footmen standing there. What a boring life that must be. (laughs) Just standing by the door. Yeah. In hopes that someone might wander by and need to go through it. You know, (laughs) it's my whole life. It's the highlight of your day. Well, Jackie Kennedy opens up about her shyness in a way I think she would not, at least on first meeting. Maybe we should just talk about this whole tour on the surface for a moment and not, you know, I don't know how much I want to talk about like real Jackie versus character Jackie. We could get mm-hmm. into a minefield. Yeah. Oh, but I think you kind of nailed it right there when you said, I don't think the real Jackie would have done this. The real Jackie was very private and I don't think she would have shared like this at all. So I think Elizabeth is taking Jackie through the the portrait gallery, the picture gallery, for the same reason that that journalist peer critic guy was taken through there like the dress designer said if you got it flaunted i think it was a little bit of an intimidation tactic look at all these centuries of my family (laughs) so jackie kennedy got humanized a little bit they were talking about a shy prime minister and elizabeth was a little disarmed by Jackie's revelation that she was a shy person also enough, I think, to show her into the private quarters, which I imagine does not happen, especially on first meeting again. They go in the private area and it's funny to me that Jackie Kennedy, she's invited to sit and Jackie Kennedy perched on the arm of a chair, which I don't think she would do. Jackie Kennedy has been running in the best circle since what? She's about 13 years of age. She knows not to sit on the arm of a chair. I think the crown is trying to illustrate the whole yokelness of Americans and the unsophistication, but they chose the wrong American. Of all the people that would know how to behave in a fancy place, the New York City Society pages called Jackie Bouvier, as she was then, the queen debutante of the year 1947. I think she would not perch on the arm of a chair. Yeah, by this point in her life, she had already toured Europe. She'd spent a year at the Sorbonne, you know, so she went to a party where Winston Churchill is. That's the kind of circle she's running in. So yeah, I agree with you completely. I do not think Mrs. Kennedy is the one for confidences with total strangers. I mean, that's what her sister Lee is for. Mm -hmm. And that's like her only person. I just don't think she's going to unload on somebody. 
Mm-mm. like this. If there was an audience, I might say, well, she's doing it for effect, but I just don't see it happening. I know that later in their acquaintanceship, Mrs. Kennedy kind of said, sometimes you just want to get away, don't you? And this is like the only time they ever talked about that. And Queen Elizabeth said, one does get crafty after a while and learns how to save oneself. So that little comment has been blown up into this whole expose on shyness. And I don't know about it. <laughs> <laughs> The only thing that I believed in there was that Jackie said it was like living in a goldfish bowl because she actually did say that quite a few times. So character Jackie says um, that her husband would rather speak to 10,000 people than be alone with her. Probably true. Not sure she'd say it. Jackie Kennedy is impressed. I love this, that she said her farm was about 100 miles from the White House and Queen Elizabeth guesses Maryland. It's a good guess. Mm-hmm. She, she's very impressed. And it's actually Virginia. But good job studying her geography. We've come a long way. Since before when she didn't know who Brezhnev was. <laughs> no, since before when she didn't know where Antarctica was. No, I, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Funny. So they go to see the dogs. I think they hear her talking and start. Um, ar, ar, or they, their food has come. Anyway, uh, they are freaking pampered with their own room in the palace. <laughs> uh, their own footman serving them dinner out of a serving bowl on a tray. Another guy who'd written off ever seeing Jackie Kennedy. Merry Christmas to him. Um, Stuart. She knows a lot of their names. I think that's really good. Stuart is the name of the lucky footman who gets to watch Jackie pet dogs. <laughs> so Queen Elizabeth puts a blanket over her dress, but Jackie Kennedy doesn't get one. Let's let the puppies pee pee on your lap. I wonder what you would do. What's the protocol for a puppy pees on the president's wife's lap? Well, and there's no blow dryers back then, so you couldn't wash it off and dry it. And obviously they're not the same size. This is why we aren't the ladies' maids. So they talk about um, how they both like the outdoors and they both like animals better than people, horses and dogs in both cases. They bond over their uppity younger sisters who are better (laughs) suited to be the head honchos in their respective families. Also true. Probably not something they would say. What do you I mean, what do you think? I guess I can summarize this by saying there's a lot of truth to what they're saying, but I don't think there's a lot of truth to that they're saying it. Correct. Correct. And I had seen this before I'd done the bulk of my Jackie Kennedy research the first time. So at first I was like, oh, they're bonding over the, all their similarities. And then I rewatched it after I knew some stuff and I became a little bit more cynical. I was like, OK, if this really happened, which I seriously doubt it had, is Jackie trying to manipulate Elizabeth because she can sense that Elizabeth doesn't like her and she's trying to get on Elizabeth's good side. I'm not saying that Jackie Kennedy was a master manipulator for evil. I'm just saying that she knew how to read people and she knew how to convince them. She was very smart. So it just seemed kind of manipulative to me. You're saying if she did say it, it was for the greater good in to try to make her feel more comfortable. That's the way in bonding over shyness and things. Mm-hmm. I guess I can see that. I still, I just don't know. Jackie is such a private person. I just don't know that she would do that for this kind of purpose. Oh, no, I don't think she would either. No, I don't think any of this would happen. Actually, (laughs) Jackie was at her coronation. I mean, not the events, but she was there covering it for a newspaper. So why didn't she bring that up? That would have been a cool little tidbit to drop in here. 
she stayed at one of Queen Elizabeth's lady-in-waiting's house. Yeah. They have the same friends. So much could have been explored that was actually real and genuine mm-hmm. that they didn't choose to do. And I just I just feel like if I hadn't known more about Mrs. Kennedy, I might have been like, oh my gosh, they're just best friends. Mm-hmm. That's what it, you said it even shorter than I did. Yes. <laughs> I Exactly. Well, I think it's time to take a little break. And when we come back, we will see how all of this plays out. And now, a brief intermission. Now we're at the stables where Margaret has a very different impression than Elizabeth does of the meeting between Elizabeth and Jackie based on rumors that Margaret heard. So Queen Elizabeth is just so on cloud nine about that visit. I liked her very much. It's a timely reminder that people are so rarely what they seem. And is Margaret being snide because she purposely didn't get invited to the dinner? Because I think yes, because I mistakenly freeze framed right on a big hidden smile that Margaret has before she starts in on her sister with that innocent. Well, I don't know what Patrick was talking about. (laughs) She prepares with a smile before she turns around. Yeah, no, I saw it right away because she just got super like it was like the claws came out. She knew she was going to win something. So we get this impression of Margaret the Worldly educating her isolated sister with theater and art and literature references. Remember, Margaret and Tony's circle of friends. So Margaret is all sophistication now, and she's razzing her sister for being a savage and liking horses and nothing, I guess. So Patrick, evidently, this Patrick, whoever this is, I mean, I know who he is, and I'll tell you about him in a minute, but we don't know right now. (laughs) Patrick had dinner at Lee's house, Mrs. Kennedy's sister, and Mrs. Kennedy was there, and oh, Patrick heard some things, and he told me what Mrs. Kennedy said at dinner. It was very unkind. And then she walks away. I don't know. Might be nothing. Have to ask him. Like, drop a bomb. Walk away. Super mean. Don't worry. She yells right before she disappears. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, I thought that was perfect because at the beginning, she was smiling. She knows she was going to push a serious button and she pushed it and ran away. Not really running. She just kind of sauntered away. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I can't believe that I'm being this critical, but they could have in the writing said that it was Jackie's sister. Instead, Margaret was saying that Patrick had dinner with the Radzawills, which is Jackie's sister Lee's husband, Radzawill. But why couldn't they mention it? I don't know. I was a little disappointed. We actually saw her at that other party, by the way. And um, she, just like in real life, was prettier than Jackie. And she had a better hairdo and she had a better dress. So you know what? In that regard... (laughs) They were true to reality. Um, She was standing right next to Mrs. Kennedy, I think while she was talking to Philip, right before the tour started. That was Lee standing next to her. So Elizabeth has a meeting to hear what those rumors are for herself, and she's not exactly flattered by them. So we see, is it the changing of the guard? Is that what we're seeing? I don't know these ceremonies enough. I only see, I guess, the outside. I'm never going to see it from the courtyard. But So the first thing I want everyone to know, Everyone is that this guy, Patrick Plunkett, seventh Baron Plunkett, is such a good friend to Queen Elizabeth and Margaret. 
that he not only is the godfather to Princess Margaret's oldest child, Queen Elizabeth allowed him to be buried in the royal cemetery at Frogmore after he died. I mean, this is one of her very closest friends. I cannot emphasize that enough. One of the only people on earth who could speak freely with her. This actor does it very well. This is no casual acquaintance. In fact, they saw him as the older brother they never had. So his reluctance is not like a subject who doesn't want to be in trouble. If I hadn't known who he was, I would have read this like, I don't want to tell the queen because bad stuff's going to happen to me. He doesn't want to tell her because he wants to be protective of her and he doesn't want her feelings hurt. Mm -hmm. It's a different interpretation if you know that, I think. No, I agree completely. And I do want to add that he was an Eaton alum. <laughs> Maybe after the next episode, I can stop saying that because that's I'm, I'm like just foreshadowing. <laughs> You know what? Maybe we should instead simply call out people who are not eaten alums. I think that would be a less intrusive situation. Okay. So um, he says that Jackie Kennedy said Buckingham Palace looked like a second-rate, dilapidated provincial hotel. Now, I will tell you, Jackie Kennedy did say that about the White House. <laughs> she actually compared it unfavorably to a hotel in downtown Kansas City. <laughs> Yes, she did. Um, so that's bad. So anyway, yes to the White House being described that way. No to Buckingham Palace being described that way. Let's see his other quotes. A tired institution with no place in the modern world. And she, Elizabeth wants to pick the scab and no, casually, not casually, if Jackie Kennedy said anything about her personally. So you hear a loud clock in the background. Like, <laughs> I don't want to say anything, but he does. He calls her Lilibet, evidence of the closeness. He's objecting. He does not want to tell her, but she insists. We've had a relationship of frankness our whole lives. Why are we stopping now? Like, uh, so he tells her, Jackie said she was a middle-aged woman, so incurious, unintelligent, and unremarkable that Britain's reduced place in the world was not a surprise, but an inevitability. And her feelings are so hurt. She is blinking back tears. I don't know how they did it, but Claire Foy's actual eyeballs are pink. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. And yeah. Patrick feels so bad. So bad. I, I just love him. I just... Oh. So probably he was indignantly talking to Princess Margaret either at that party or on the phone and didn't dream she was going to go taunt Queen Elizabeth with it or even pass it on. I can see him hearing this and wanting to tell someone how angry he was about it and thinking that Princess Margaret was the safest bet to vent on. Like, can you believe what she said? I don't know how much he's hung out with Princess Margaret lately, but of course she uses that as a weapon. But I really don't think he meant for it to get out at all. And I think that's why he feels... So bad. But then she says the best line of the entire show, in my opinion. Well, we must have her again soon. <laughs> the emotion behind that was brilliant. <laughs> Almost as brilliant as matching Elizabeth's suit to her chair upholstery. Do you think that was unintentional? I don't know. Well, I thought maybe it just like supported the whole um, unremarkable thing. She was like a piece of furniture. Oh, nice catch. No, I didn't even see that. <laughs> so. The quiet nighttime of 10 Downing Street is broken by a teletype machine and a top secret communique about President Nkrumah and the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. So we see the words American Intelligence Report, also Communist Party. Are there people on call 
because whoever it is is dressed very fancy. The lady in the background doesn't approach the teletype machine because it does say eyes only. So obviously the man works there and is authorized to read these things, but the lady stays way back and actually leaves the room at one point. So what in the middle of the night was a fancy dressed man and lady? What were they doing there? I don't know. I wondered the same thing. I wondered maybe is there like 24 hour people, overnight staff that are just on call sitting there? Because, I mean, I hate to be sexist, but she, I read her as a secretary and him as a someone higher up the chain. I don't know. Just on call because things could happen in the middle of the night, right? Oh, well, and of course, I jumped unworthily to people having affairs. So whatever. <laughs> I'm like, problems in the world. And you're like, oh, no, they were just sleeping together. At <laughs> <laughs> 10 Downing Street. I mean, I guess if you're going to have an illicit affair, you know, go big. Macmillan, Adeen, and Elizabeth meet to discuss the news from Ghana, and Elizabeth comes up with a controversial plan to help keep them in the Commonwealth. There is such a good shot going into this meeting from the courtyard of the palace, out the gates with the Queen Victoria Memorial in the center. Um, so freeze frame that. Observe that. It's really cool. But it is all a house of cards inside the political spectrum. So evidently, the Americans pulled out of the dam project because they are mad that President Nkrumah of Ghana was in Moscow where he actually received the Order of Lenin, the highest military honor. So he promised he would have no more dealings with the Russians. But there he is having dealings with the Russians. And then Macmillan says, I wish I had an ace up my sleeve. I don't know what to do. And the way Queen Elizabeth says, the way President Kennedy had the first lady in Paris, and you see a light bulb, send me to Ghana on a personal trip, she says. She wants to be a force, like Jackie. It's obvious. The direct line can be drawn from character Jackie earlier. The dudes say, no way. She can't be seen engaging in dirty politics. You can't be seen to favor one nation over another. They actually mention a country that doesn't exist anymore called Tanganyika, which is now mostly Tanzania. Remember, when you take the test, it looks like Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. It's the only thing that got me to 100%. Well, as head of the Commonwealth, may I not be allowed just once to defend it? You can see her frustration. You know, Winston Churchill told her the best thing to do often is nothing. And she hated it then and she hates it now. And now she doesn't feel like she has to take it. He says it would be a profound misjudgment to get on that plane. Like he can't stop her, right? Because the next thing we see is... They are in flight to Ghana. Elizabeth <laughs> is very sure of her plan, but Philip and Adine aren't keen on it at all. He is still at her. They must be nearly there because she's freshening up her makeup and he's getting dressed. And this is a six and one half hour flight. So he's still that head up. The flight must have been just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you think that drive to this kid's school play was bad when you and your husband were fighting? Oh, no, this is not good. And Adine is saying nothing because you know what you can say? Nothing. So Philip's reading from the paper. Um, this trip is impossible to justify from any angle. It's unethical. It's unconstitutional. It's indefensible. Blah, 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 blah. And then he says, I don't want you to get in a chess match with a wily operator like Nkrumah. He's playing people off each other. Very well. And she, her attitude is like, boy, you don't know me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, I guess the whole revelation since the Kennedy thing hasn't come out yet. But so he's the lion of Africa, he says, Philip says, and you are just a lamb the lion will have for lunch. So they have this conversation. Philip says, you should stay at home and be what you're supposed to be. A puppet? A constitutional monarch. A puppet. If you like... That's the whole point. She says, I don't like. Mm-hmm. 
when you are fighting with someone and they're getting all riled up, the best strategy is to be so chill. And she was doing that. He was like, you know, crazy uh, behind her back. And she's just like, lipstick, powder, <laughs> calm, cool, collected. And Dean is just sitting there in misery. He is just sitting there in a cloud of dismay. <laughs> he listened to Churchill. Don't do anything. I think in this case, it's more like self-defense. Please don't throw me out of the plane. <laughs> in Ghana, Nkrumah and his court, a gathering of citizens and a lot of press welcome the queen for a photo op. Now, it really is a compliment to have the Queen of England come to your country. And he knows. He actually is a little nervous, so he's trying to hide it. The band is actually playing the anthem this time. You can hear it. It's not good. <laughs> it's a great attempt, though. I mean, it's sort of last minute. Maybe you couldn't get a hold of a record or whatever, but I don't know why they didn't just employ the same technique. Um, so she pulls in and we focus on a statue of Queen Victoria in the courtyard. I loved how when she came out of the car, she's just walking and his people are telling her to stop, but she has to get it from a Dean. Stop. <laughs> oh, okay. And then um, Bobo runs from the car with the parasol because it's so bright and sunny outside <laughs> to cover her. And it's just like Elizabeth is being, you know, manipulated physically about where she's supposed to stand. You know, she can't just walk up. She's the one suddenly who doesn't know the protocol. Ah, clever. You're right. Mm -hmm. And you can't help but notice that Nkrumba is back into his traditional dress, his, his robe. Well, because he wants a photo opportunity of him in African dress mm -hmm. meeting on equal footing a representative of the former ruling class. I think it's um, definitely a calculated maneuver. Definitely. I mean, in real life, this guy was brilliant. He was even um, in prison and won a seat in parliament, <laughs> campaigning from prison. That's how good he was. So Nkrumah calls for reporters and they all rush her and Philip instinctively leaps in front of his wife. I was very impressed by that. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, he's there to protect her. That was good. Nkrumah says... Ghana welcomes you humbly and kisses her hand. And then he poses for photographers with her and disappears right afterward. Which Queen Elizabeth is kind of bewildered. Philip's like, see, he's got what he wanted. He's using you. And she said, well, as long as it diffuses things. She's calm about it. We're still in Ghana. And on the phone, Macmillan is telling Elizabeth that her plan has backfired. He tells her he's in Downing Street. She's in that delightful house that we spoke of before, the Bombay Company house. That's for real, the Maharaja house. Um, there is, says Macmillan, a team of international engineers. They've arrived to begin work. Well, all right. You know, it's good the Americans are back. Na, na, na. Soviet ones. You've been used, ma'am, just as we'd feared. That's an I told you so. Yeah. And in real life, he did play, Nkrumba did play countries against each other. Before going to a party in Ghana, Philip Martin and Adine wait for Elizabeth to think while she gets dressed and all ordered up. Well, they're having drinks outside, afraid to go in. I don't know. Philip kind of has this little woman smug attitude I'm not loving. Like she's in there thinking. Pfft. Whatever. So we go inside with our camera and we see Queen Elizabeth looking at herself in the eyes in a mirror. People are always doing that in movies. Have you ever done that? Have you ever looked at yourself in the eyes in a mirror while trying to decide something? I've never done it. Mm -mm. Do you, I, Yeah, I don't even look in a mirror to think. I think I'd close my eyes to think. 
the tiara that she's wearing is called the Vladimir. The emeralds actually come out and there are pearls that can go in. The history of it was it was smuggled out of Russia during the revolution. It was originally made in 1874, although it's been reconstructed and it belonged to the Grand Duchess Maria Pavlovna. She was the last Romanov to escape. And it belonged to Elizabeth's grandmother, Queen Mary. And during this visit, which actually happened, she was there on an 11-day visit to Ghana. She actually did wear that, the Vladimir tiara. At the party, someone has put Elizabeth in a corner. No one puts Elizabeth in a corner. So she <laughs> so she puts a mysterious plan into motion. It's so awkward. So across the room, Nkrumah is meeting and greeting and taking photographs and this and that. And he's in a suit again. So um, it's not good. It just doesn't look. It looks like they're being dismissed, the British people. And they are being dismissed. So Queen Elizabeth calls Adin over and whispers at him. And Adin does not want to do whatever this is, but as he is nothing but obedient, he goes to do whatever it is. And Philip keeps asking, what are you doing? What, what, what? She's not answering him, but he can't stop getting at her. Charteris, after a sign from Edeen, gets on the horn to London. A situation is developing in Ghana. <laughs> so Nkrumah leaves the people he's with and walks across the empty dance floor toward Queen Elizabeth, who stands. And since she stands, everyone stands. And it's an all-skate. Everyone's looking around very uneasily. He is all smug, I think. And he says, I think we understand the significance of this moment. And she pauses and says, but do we understand the terms? So then over on the horn to London, they're in some sort of negotiation. I think it was very sly to do this on the dance floor. So there can't be any interference from the British peanut gallery. Mm -hmm. Everyone in the room, in the room, except the British people, are surprised and delighted when he takes her hand. Charteris yells, our queen is dancing, sir. What? <laughs> what is she doing? It looks like the foxtrot. <laughs> <laughs> There were some really funny bits in this particular episode, and that was one of them. Well, she's winning hearts and minds is what she's doing. Now, I look at everyone's face in the room. All of the Ghanaians are very pleased. And this might look condescending to modern eyes, like who cares if the queen danced? But, you know, it was a pretty big deal. It was a gesture of respect. It was... Well, it would have been taken as a gesture of respect. It would have been taken in a spirit of inclusiveness. Welcome to the modern world. I now see you as a fellow leader. It was a large message. And as you'll see later, the world understood what she was saying. <laughs> and I think even Philip, if you look at his face, is starting to be like, huh, maybe she knew what she was doing. He looks kind of proud now. So I, you know, I know there's been some controversy, like, how dare we think that a white lady's dancing with him is going to be that big of a deal. But just in the context of the time, it was a very big deal. We just have to accept that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and the press is going crazy as the two do this foxtrot. It's it's lovely and everybody loves it, you know, except Macmillan, but he's really far away. <laughs> but Nkrumba had learned Western dance not that long before this from Louis Armstrong's wife. <laughs> Was this when he was in Pennsylvania? Was, no, actually, it was for the Ghana Independence Celebration of 1957 so that he could uh, dance with the Duchess of Kent. Oh, uh, what do you know? So in real life, not to burst your bubble, just to let you know, in real life, Nkrumah was back in contact with Russia like 12 days after this happened. Let's just say there's a tumultuous history with Ghana, but... Flash forward to 2017 and 18, it is in the Commonwealth now. 
So perhaps this had lasting effect, this deal. But, you know, the show, The Crown, makes you think she sealed the deal. He never talked to the Russians again, blah, blah, blah. But it was good for her prestige. It was good for his prestige. But it's not like he canceled the damn project forever or anything. It happened. It did something. But this particular episode makes it seem like it was, you know, Earth off the axis changing, you know, a big, huge deal. And it it wasn't as big of a deal as that. Correct. In Washington, Bobby Kennedy introduces JFK, who gives a motivational speech to a White House dinner, and it gains almost unanimous support. I can't help noticing that there's long tables at this dinner. And Jackie Kennedy was famous for removing the long tables from White House dinners and replacing them with round tables. Now, it's 1961. Maybe she hasn't got her hands on this room yet with her round tables. Just something to note how different it will become later. Although we don't see it on this show. We see it in real life later. Mm -hmm. He says, I look around and I see our people divided as at no time since our civil war, which, of course, 2018 says, please hold my beer. (laughs) Yeah. Me slapping my hands over my mouth. What is that look Bobby Kennedy is giving Jackie? I mean, she doesn't look happy to be there at all. Bobby Kennedy, I'm guessing, was privy to a fight earlier. Oh, maybe. Because the look on her face, this is what I was reading. And maybe this is, I don't know. I was really cynical. But um, she wasn't really listening to what Jack was saying as much as she was reading the room for him. Like She was looking at the faces of everybody else in the room. Like that was her job was to figure out what was going on in their heads with his speech because she did help him write his speeches in real life, which doesn't come across in this show at all. But um, that's what I read it as. Like she didn't really want to be there, but she was there to read their faces and polite, you know, wifely applause. He says something about the reclaiming of great American values. And you guys, maybe you haven't listened to our coverage of Jackie Kennedy, but... (laughs) Do I say here, do the great American values include serial and open adultery? I guess they do. Mr. Kennedy was a champion in this department. I've never even heard of someone this bad, that ruthlessly and randomly unfaithful. Well, he says freedom and tolerance and equality of opportunity. After the dinner at the photo op portion of the party, JFK gets creepy with a couple of women until he realizes that Jackie's watching. I just wrote the Mac attack. Surprise level zero. (laughs) Yeah. Jodie Balfour, that's the name of the woman that's playing Jackie. And she's actually from South Africa. So the accent for her must have been pretty difficult, I would think. And again, I think she did a better job of it than uh, Michael Hall did. (laughs) Well, I'm even for Donnelly Portman over this lady. I mean, I guess no offense to her or whatever, but I just don't think that the... I didn't even get Jackie Kennedy out of this. I think if you had simply placed her against a white screen, I'm not entirely sure I would have guessed it was Jackie Kennedy. Hmm. I don't know either. I I thought Natalie Portman did an amazing job. Yeah. Spot on, I thought. But she got the big bucks. That was a movie. This is just a TV show. (laughs) What is she doing lately? I guess I don't know. I don't know what she's doing. Natalie Portman? Maybe she's busy. She's doing uh, commercials, right? For Dior or something. Isn't that her? I don't really watch a lot of network TV. I don't think I've seen a commercial except for during the Olympics. And I'm always like, oh my gosh, what is the deal? (laughs) And then I remember, oh yeah, once upon a time there was a thing and it was called commercials and you couldn't fast forward through them. I remember those days. I don't like those days. (laughs) Well, then you start watching it 15 minutes after it starts and then you can just fast forward through them. Oh, you're sly. 
Okay. I, sometimes I am. I'm not usually that smart. I know I can do it. I don't always do it. <laughs> JFK follows Jackie into a private room where he meanly gives her credit for the TV news story about Elizabeth. Jackie is mortified and worried about her upcoming visit to London. I like the juxtaposition of Elizabeth's triumph on the TV and Queen Elizabeth watching Jackie's triumph on her own TV at the beginning of the episode. I think that was very good. Mm-hmm. I like your use of the word juxtaposition. <laughs> so evidently, JFK and his wife have some kind of deal. She does First Lady stuff during the week, and she has weekends off in the country with the kids. And it's Wednesday, he says. You can't go. And she's like, it's weekend enough for me. He says, oh, don't feel like that, honey. Oh, I'm going to punch you in your face. She says, don't take away my dignity and then tell me how to be. This deal, I think, sounds like an actual possibility. These two didn't even get close until about six months before he died. Mm-hmm. So this kind of cold calculating scheduling actually sounds reasonable to me. He accredits her with galvanizing Queen Elizabeth to be brave and to defy her advisors just to prove Jackie wrong. And then he quotes things to her that Jackie doesn't seem to recognize. Dreary queen thick ankles, her majestic dullness, the incurious crown. I mean, real Jackie Kennedy, the worst I ever saw was that she had said that the queen was heavy weather and also that there seemed to be a lot of secretaries of agriculture among the guests at this dinner. But that's like the worst I heard of it. I didn't hear her say anything like that specific, like thick ankles and all that. No, I think one time she said something about um, the Queen and Philip. They didn't look like they were very close to each other. Yeah. Like, but that was it. Yeah. It was none of this drama. Well, but in this world with character, Jackie, if that's what she really said, Patrick shielded the Queen from the worst of it again. He didn't tell her any of that stuff. I would have read that as JFK was just paraphrasing. Even making it sound even worse than it really was, which was bad. Well, Jackie doesn't seem to remember the whole of it, and so he could probably say whatever. But he said, it's not like you're going to run into her at Glenora. And she's like, I am due back in London on my way back from India. And I have to say, although I hate that he said it, this is my second favorite line in the whole thing. My advice would be, don't go to Buckingham Palace. (laughs) (laughs) It was horrible of him to say, but I'm like, that was actually very well delivered. But then he said the horrible word, catfight. I look forward to a full report. He was very contemptuous. I hate character JFK. I was not a fan myself. It was gross. Elizabeth and company are back on the plane, and she accepts and manipulates the optics of a request from Mrs. Kennedy. The international reactions are overwhelmingly positive, says Michael Adine. And um, it's been an outstanding political success. <laughs> I know how Philip is like, I don't remember his exact words, but he said something like, I told you so is no good look on you. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a very good look on her. Yes, she was so pleased with herself. So Jackie Kennedy has requested a private meeting before their probably more public luncheon together um, sometime in March. And Queen Elizabeth kind of doesn't want to, but like, what are you going to do? And they didn't say why or whatever. And so she says it can take place at Windsor Castle because sometimes only a fortress will do. Also, she's not going to have her anywhere near Buckingham Palace if she's going to think secretly the whole time that it sucks, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, she's already been to Buckingham Palace. We know what she thought about that. Let's show her Windsor Castle. So Jackie arrives at a full of impressive pomp 
Windsor Castle for a private meeting with the Queen. So Windsor Castle, we need a more castle castle, a queenier house, I guess, <laughs> with, with turrets and things. And the marching soldiers are too much overcompensating for me. My eyes hurt from rolling them. <laughs> the guys on the stairs like to have killed me. I thought, what? Are you serious? Jackie Kennedy walking up the stairs kind of like clutching her handbag. I don't blame her because there's a guy like every 10 steps with full armor with some kind of sword thing. I know. The queen was probably like, put everybody out. Whatever we have, put the best men out with their weapons. And that front door, that alone was so uh, overwhelming, you know, daunting. That front door, what was it, like 30 feet tall? And it did that proper, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Jackie, now Jackie was an avid horsewoman for her whole life. So to have her walk through those horses and almost look a little scared, that kind of surprised me. Well, they were crowding her. It was weird. They like went between her car and the front door. That is, I mean, that is seriously weird. It was like picking the dress. She wanted to, you know, give a certain impression. (laughs) This is the impression. Like, okay, you can have all that stuff at the White House. I've got a guard and horses and men with big, sharp, sorty things. <laughs> I don't know. I thought the whole thing was just too much. I thought that was funny. Elizabeth hosts a full-on British ritualistic tea with Jackie, who apologizes and explains the backstory of her comments. There is a curtsy this time. I want you to notice. Yes, there is. There's also four footmen and a butler. <laughs> And when they sit with great formality, both handbags are on the floor. Pretty Isn't cute. that where we're supposed to be? I, I guess that's why all the 50s handbags are flat on the bottom. Um, a lot of them will have little feet to protect feet. them from the floor. So mm-hmm. evidently that's where they're supposed to be. You're not supposed to put them on the table because they've right. been places and you don't want nasty germs on the table. So, Mm-mm. And it's not like now where you can drape it over the back, which I never do. I, I have taken to the- putting my wallet in my coat pocket. I don't know what to do in the summer with no coat. I've stopped taking my purse anywhere. I just do a crossbody as small as I can get away with. I don't like things in my hands. Maybe I'll just always take out my main visa and driver's license and stick them in my pocket, I guess. You won't need um chapstick, I guess. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else is in my purse. I've got some Germex. I have 9,000 fingerboards. I have Band-Aids. I have... You should see my purse is full. It's like a crisis management kit. (laughs) You know what? One of my favorite games to play with my friends is dump out your purse. I just think it's so interesting. I posted, gosh, was it on Facebook or was it on mom to mom a long time ago? A post called what? Oh, what is in your handbag? And I laid it all out and people started laying all their stuff out. Yeah, that's probably where I got it from because I remember doing that. Yes. I mean, that, that was, was from, fun. gosh, how would I even find that? I don't know. You can't. Mom to mom is gone. Mom to mom was the message board where Becca and I met. It was a Kansas City mom's message board. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff on there, a lot of conversations. My first writing is on there. And a lot of, you know, mom's groups, though. They devolve into hostilities and <laughs> tribal camps and all manner of <laughs> nonsense. So it's probably good that it's gone. But I wish I had... um heisted some of my stuff out of there before it went down. But anyway, whatever. I did. I, I pulled my uh, some of my blog posts. Bummer. All right. My favorite part of this is I owe you an apology. And Elizabeth goes, whatever for? She's going to make her say it out loud. But she first dismisses the staff because she doesn't want that getting around. So then she says, reports that you said certain things 
did get back to me, I was momentarily surprised, since they in no way reflected what I took to be the spirit of our last meeting. And then, well, the whole time she is making her little um, scone with clotted cream with jam. She's occupado. Like, oh, no big thing. Like, but a chicken wing, you know. She doesn't even care. <laughs> oh, people say all sorts of things for all sorts of reasons that get misquoted. And before you know it, those words have changed and everyone's upset. That's not my thing. The scones, the clotted cream or whatever. I love a cucumber sandwich, though. Oh, they were right there. There was yeah. a tray of them. Yeah. It was a beautiful table. Although I didn't read her as uh, just doing it the scone as normal. It was like angry. I mean, she was taking out her hostility on that thing. I think she did throw the scone on the plate. I noticed that. Yeah. Okay. Can you tell me it's not butter? It's clotted cream? I think what it's is that. Oh my goodness. How do I describe it? It is like um, caramelized cream, I guess. I think how you make it is you just put cream in the oven and then it kind of separates out and then you use the top. And I didn't see any crusty part in Queen Elizabeth. Maybe she doesn't like the crusty part, but there's like a caramely layer that's made with the natural sugars and then a really thick, um, milky, almost like evaporated milk underneath it. And um, I think you don't use the lower part. It separates itself in the oven. Anyway, I'll, maybe I can try to find you a recipe, but I guess evaporated milk is the closest I can come to what it's like. It's like oh. a, just a different texture of like cream cheesy stuff. Okay, because she put an awful lot on there and I was like, that better not be butter because that's gross. So anyway, Jackie Kennedy um, wants a clean slate, but Queen Elizabeth is being very gracious, giving her an out. But Jackie Kennedy really wants to apologize. And Queen Elizabeth acts like, okay, whatever, casual. But you can tell she's just dying to know what the heck happened. All was not as it seemed said Jackie. She was suffering from postpartum depression, although she said postnatal problems, which is what they called it then. Mm -hmm. um, Jack had his own health issues, which we know are Addison's disease and spinal pain. And um, he was kind of born with a spinal deformity and it never really resolved itself. Um, we were strained, she says, to put it lightly. I took some pleasure in shining in France. I'm not embarrassed to say to you, Character, Jackie, implies that there was some violence. Although, he said, I'm the man who accompanied Jackie Kennedy to Paris. Yeah, that was not cool. And I think there was certainly indifference in real life. I'd stay clear of physical abuse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. And he, they do mention Dr. Jacobson traveling with them who gave them um, injections of vitamins and what did she say? Other substances. Speed, tranquilizers, steroids, and human placenta, usually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how much they got is open for debate. And we're not saying that they used it to the level that this show is implying, but um, his being with them is well documented. Well, this is known. real. During the whole Cuban Missile Crisis, the Berlin Wall, the French visit the escalation of hostilities in Vietnam, our president was drugged by a famous quack they called Dr. Feelgood. Dr. Feelgood. On that <laughs> occasion, said Jackie, he gave me something. So we see a shot of Jackie holding court. Like, she's all high. She is more Scarlett O'Hara than Scarlett O'Hara ever could be. Everyone's surrounding her. She's blah, 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 blah. We can't hear what she's saying. And you see Patrick at the end of the table looking at her so sadly. Um, then we pop back to the tea party and Jackie expresses her apology. 
quote, to someone she admires so much. How you cope with the pressure, your sacrifice, your composure, your dignity, you're inspiring. And what you did in Ghana, it's extraordinary. This is from the woman that Queen Elizabeth was so upset about. In this world, (laughs) I was like, oh, that's so sweet. That was really nice to tell her that. That probably meant a lot to Elizabeth to hear that, you know, that she was respected by Jackie. But in my head, I'm thinking she's laying it on a little thick, you know, like real, first off, real Jackie wouldn't have talked that way. We've already made that abundantly clear, but that was really a bit much. Don't you think? Well, for character Jackie and for the story arc that we are supposed to follow, what we want to close the circle, right? On, oh no, the person you were so in awe of is also in awe of you. Check. Right. So as to character Jackie, I think she fulfilled her role properly right here. <laughs> okay. And I, the gold dress that she was wearing at the party when she was like, you know, center of attention, it was lovely. It was like a two-piece crop top, which only someone shaped like Jackie would wear properly, I guess. But it was really pretty. This Jackie got a lot of the clothes that I would have expected to see on Margaret. Well, because Margaret wasn't allowed to be in the show. Really? No, I don't mean this episode. I just mean in general on the show. Oh, I have a feeling. I mean, I don't know, maybe season three or whatever. Um, Margaret shines in a fashion way well through the 70s. So I think we are going to see some stuff. All right. From Helena Bonham Carter. (laughs) You are so excited about that. I am too, but not as excited as you are. At bedtime, Elizabeth recaps the meeting she had with Jackie with Philip, and she shares her regrets, but he thinks she handled herself perfectly. (laughs) Well, what she says boils down to, I should have said, oh, Peshaw, I got on a plane and I went because I felt useless compared to you. But what I said was nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Philip had a good thing, though. He goes, well, you savored your victory. She insulted you. You're not a saint. There's ice in those veins when there needs to be. Three cheers for that. And noble listeners, they're sleeping in the same bed. (laughs) I think they sleep in the same bed at different places. Oh, okay. Like at Sandringham, they might sleep in the same bed, but at Buckingham Palace, they have their separate rooms. Got it. Okay, so just really quick, I am very confused. I was confused by the timing of all of this relationship. So the first meeting, the blue dress meeting, was in June of 1961. Okay, so, you know, then Jackie's India trip and that second visit was March of 1962. That's like a year later after the first one. Um, They're very far apart. This isn't like it just happened. And then JFK was assassinated in late November of 63. So all this time just wangs kind of invisibly through this show. There's no cards like we usually get. Mm-hmm. I, it was like, well, what's the timeline? Because she's in bed with Philip. And then the next thing you know, Elizabeth is outside in the mud again um, when she gets an urgent call to go back into the house. And that's the JFK day. So, yeah. So there's that. And she comes back. And this scene, the first scene you see reminds me so much of everyone on 9-11. Everyone is forgetting protocol or their rank or their separateness in their shock. They're all regardless of their situation in the household, gathered around a radio to listen. I looked out a window from work the day of 9-11 and the um, 
one of the delivery drivers had his radio on and all the other delivery drivers, because it was a very restaurant heavy area. And early in the morning, they take advantage of, you know, the lack of traffic to deliver. And the, all the delivery drivers with their dollies kind of poised at a 45 degree angle were all gathered around all the windows of the UPS truck listening to the radio. And that reminded me so much of this scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the butlers and footmen and ladies maids and chefs were all in the same room listening I think it was a dean's office, maybe listening to the radio. But then there's TVs on, too, throughout the rooms because Elizabeth goes from one room to another um, as she's coming in the house and absorbing the reality of what's happened, you know, listening to it on the news and um, hearing Walter Cronkite. I love it when the show does this and uses actual footage in the episode somehow. So you could hear Walter Cronkite talking about Kennedy's assassination on the on the television and i just i love that did you know seth rogan is going to play him in an upcoming movie called newsflash that centers around this particular day in cronkite's life Ooh, nice nice time i know that's what i thought well so we get some details of the assassination um most of what we see though is elizabeth obsessed by the coverage Throughout the day and through the night when Kennedy died and she comes to bed and tells Philip that Kennedy is dead and they cuddle. It's very tough. It's very tough. And I do remember watching after 9-11 so much news coverage on this orange velvet couch that after the initial shock was over, we had to give away the couch. We couldn't bear to look at it. It had the memories of the feelings we had while sitting there in shock watching the news. So I can totally see the obsession with just like constantly watching the coverage. Even now, and I I hope we don't get to the point where we don't do it. But even now, when there's a shooting, I do the same thing, don't you? Yeah. All day, I've got it running somewhere. Queen Mom and Elizabeth watch the casket and Jackie coming off the plane on television. And Elizabeth makes astute observations about life and a bold move of Jackie's. So the queen mom says, I thought you said she was so unhappy in the marriage. And Elizabeth returns. That's the thing about unhappiness. It takes something worse to make you realize it was happiness all along. She's still wearing the same clothes, said Elizabeth. It's the pink Ninon suit, not Chanel. You'll hear it's Chanel. I mean, the trimmings were made by Chanel and shipped over, but the label says N-I-N-O-N. Um, the queen mom says, oh, couldn't they have found her something else? She's covered in her husband's blood. But Queen Elizabeth realizes that's deliberate. And she's correct because Jackie Kennedy herself said, real life Jackie Kennedy said, I want them to see what it is they've done. And she purposely did not change her clothes until she got back to the White House. Yeah, Lady Bird Johnson had offered her something else to wear and she said, no, she wasn't going to do it. I didn't, I mean, okay, so the queen mom's job here in the show, a lot of times is to be kind of snarky and cynical and stuff. But this was, I don't know, I didn't think it was very nice to suggest that, you know, because they had a bad marriage, it's okay that her husband got shot and his head landed in her lap. No, I think she was just commenting that Jackie looked awful sad. And and I thought you said she wasn't that happy. It's, it just feels weird that Anybody, even if you're fighting with your husband, if he dies, I mean, that's catastrophic. Elizabeth tells Adine the plans for mourning the death of Kennedy and includes an unprecedented request. So as she's going to the office, you should look at the footman outside the glass door just chatting. People are still in shock and protocol has not been restored. 
They are not standing either side of the door. They're talking to each other side by side. It's very interesting to me to catch. I mean, I like that. I like that the, whoever directs the extras is doing a banner job this episode. <laughs> um, so she says she wants the court, all the households, to observe a full week of court mourning, which at this time really just means wearing black um, and or a black armband if you're you know, an outdoor servant or whatever. That seems respectable enough, I guess. Um, kind of shocking for someone that's not a member of the country, but it is respectful and okay, we can say that. But she also wants the bell rung at Westminster Abbey. And he tells her slash us, because she knows, that it's only rung when a member of the royal family dies. And she says, I know. She knows and she still wants it to happen, which in fact happened in real life. It's what they call the tenor bell, T-E-N-O-R. It's the largest bell. And it is only rung alone in this way to show deepest mourning for a member of the royal family. But in fact, it did happen. It did ring from 11 to noon for the death of JFK. It was a grand gesture, I thought. And yet another example of her being willing to break with not only tradition, but her advisors. A little growth. Yeah, that is a big deal. That kind of growth. I mean, compared to even the beginning of this season. And then on the radio, we hear the newscaster say, may we all find some light and hope in the darkness of the days that lie ahead. The world was in shock. The world was not in a good place. In the last scene, Elizabeth is alone and she decides to write a letter that begins, Dear Mrs. Kennedy, while the bell is tolling. And that is the end of the episode of The Crown, but not quite yet the end of our show. Now, in real life... Prince Philip went to the funeral of JFK. Queen Elizabeth, we don't know here, is pregnant with Edward. Um, although, you know, character Elizabeth doesn't seem to know that yet. <laughs> um, Maybe that's why her dress was so tight. Oh, no. No, because that was, that was yeah, years ago. I thought the same thing. I looked up his birthday and everything. I'm like, oh, ho, no. Um, it was not thought that she should go. But um, I don't know. No mention made of it. Maybe it just didn't fit in. Mm. Huh. This show. I do think this relationship between Queen Elizabeth and Jackie Kennedy was blown out of proportion. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it was a good dramatic device to show off Queen Elizabeth's growth as a queen. You know, I'm a little bummed that it seemed to be framed as a cat fight. Mm -hmm. What else? I am glad that JFK was seen more as he actually was. None of this glossing over his womanizing or his disregard for his wife see we're in the midst of the coverage of jfk and jackie kennedy over at the history chicks and that was definitely one of the non-fun aspects of that research especially in part one i guess the discovery of his darker side i didn't enjoy that discovery nor did i let's see further reflections princess margaret is a b <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love Patrick and Porchy. Those guys are something else. I'm actually really pleased to have learned about Patrick Plunkett, actually. But for such an important person in her life, I hadn't, he hasn't been here before. Where's he been mm -hmm. this whole time? Yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, he was part of their lives. And yeah, we just met him. But, you know, you can't introduce everybody by the second season. <laughs> I kind of want to go back and see if he was in any of those Christmas tree scenes or anything. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, he's buried in the Royal Cemetery. He seems like the kind of guy that might be invited to Christmas. Was he at the filming, you know, the film screening of the Antarctica videos? I mean, I guess I kind of want to just go back and see if maybe 
either this actor or somebody representing him might be in those scenes. Anyway. Yeah, he would have been. Remember, there was like mystery people at the Antarctica video. Mm -hmm. So timeline wise, we, the real life audience, know she's pregnant. So perhaps look for that in the next episode or two. Um, if Edward appears in the correct timeline. Um, and last thing I have before my media is um, the favorite outfit I had was Queen Elizabeth's blue dress. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Huh. I-, I like that in real life, Elizabeth and Jackie actually did have, a, I mean, it was they weren't like close friends, but they did kind of have a relationship through time. In 1965, Elizabeth invited Jackie, Caroline, and John Jr., to the dedication of a memorial to JFK on the site of the signing of the Magna Carta. And later in time, the Kennedy Memorial Trust was established by the British government for British students attending Harvard or MIT, which are both Boston schools where the area where Kennedy was from. Oh, nice. I know. I thought those were nice points in their lives that this you know, this whole relationship that's dramatized in this was actually, you know, it was nice. It was nice. And it went on for a long time. My favorite outfit actually was Elizabeth's yellow dress that she wore to Ghana. It was very cute. It had short sleeves, like scalloped, which you wouldn't wear, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) And then it was a tie though. I loved Jackie's White House dinner gown. It was a gold skirt with a black sleeveless top. It was very simple, very streamlined. Of all the costumes they had her in, I thought that was the most Jackie Kennedy-esque. Although they could have done her hair bigger. You know, her hair in real life was so big. and Well, except for the one time that it wasn't, which was when she came to the Buckingham Palace for the dinner. She had a very nice, restrained updo, but yet they had to make Jackie Kennedy's hair all big and fat. (laughs) I'm like, the one time you guys could have made her look modern... To our eyes, because that's how she looked and more beautiful, if I do say so. Nope, they chose not to. (laughs) So the links I have, I do have some videos about um, assorted honorings of um, JFK from the British side. I have an entire blog post all about the Westminster Bells, the puzzle I referenced earlier, the Africa Country Interactive Quiz, um, and the Asia and Europe ones are easy to search. You could do Central America if you want to. It's a very small learning curve. There's not that many countries, so you can feel really proud <laughs> <laughs> when you can do that um, first. Maybe you should do that one first and get a little training and how it goes. Um, you can get an A really fast on that one. Um, so I have another blog to link to all about TV rental and purchase in 1960 Britain. And then a story all about Patrick Plunkett and his importance in the royal life. Nice. Um, I will put the footage of the Kennedys actually arriving at Buckingham Palace, which was pretty close to what they did in the show. I have a article about Queenly Protocol. And oh my gosh, this was so cool. I found a 10 minute 360 experience video of Buckingham Palace. Nice. I know. And they also have a tour of Windsor Castle, which isn't nearly as cool, but I'll put that up too. Because, you know, we want to go inside those big doors. (laughs) Well, that will do it for our coverage of Season 2, Episode 8 of The Crown. Stay tuned for the next episode. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Bye. Do you know anyone who watches The Crown? Spread the word about the recapery, won't you? And tell a few friends. 
Also, we've got a Pinterest board set up at The Recapery for Season 2 if you'd like even more rabbit holes to travel down, just head on over there. And, most importantly, don't miss our original podcast, The History Chicks, where we tell you the stories of women throughout history as only we can. See you next time!